Welcome to Compression, the quest to $100 million in just one year. Join me, your host, Logan Freeman, in this one-of-a-kind interactive podcast experience where I am on a quest to compress three years of achievement and production into 12 months. And no, the answer is not to just work harder. I'm bringing you not only ideas and concepts that are complete at the theoretical level, but they're also effective at the applied level. Look guys, knowledge is not power. It is potential power. Knowledge plus massive strategic action equals power. We're talking about strategy, systems, accountability, all in real time. This is Compression. We're back. Another episode of the Compression Podcast. Different time, different day, mm-hmm. but we're here. Make it I, I remember back in camp, we used to try to mix it up on Coach a little bit, and he'd, he'd call out our names, and one of us would get cued, and we'd be like, Aki. And he'd look around, like, where did the little Spanish kid come from? <laughs> but here's the thing, man. You, you got to show up. You got to be present. Yep. And being present does, doesn't just mean physically there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, a lot of times we check out and, and we lose time. And then yep. we look up and it's like, oh, I got to hurry up and get this thing done. And so this is a gut check, man. This is time for you to really go inside and ask yourself, am I being present? Am I taking advantage of all, all the opportunities that are in front of me? And am I willing to adjust and be adaptable to make sure that I still get the outcome, even if the way that I plan on getting it isn't going to get me there. Yeah. So with that, Logan, welcome in, man. Excited to be with you on this beautiful Thursday morning. Um, it's still dark here. Yeah. Still dark here. Dark is there. it, is it chilly? <laughs> is it chilly out there yet? Yeah. No, uh, it was a shirt off type of morning for me on the run. It'll be 90 today or 85. It's sunny, but, uh, the morning. This is the cool t- time of, of of living in Missouri. Is like the mornings are sixty, and so you can get out there and literally have to have a sweatshirt on in the mornings, and you got shorts and a t shirt on in the evenings. I love this time because uh, it's perfect for walks in the morning like that. But the sun is coming up a little later, so you know I'm out there in the dark, which I'm not really too worried about. But I know people um, that I meet on my walks are like, "Who's this large man wearing all black with a hat on backwards?" walking very aggressively towards me, um, sometimes running. But anyways, um, I'm excited to be here, man. Uh, we've got a short week. You know, it was interesting what you said to me right before we started. And uh, it, it reminded me of what Ed Milet calls this season or the season that we're coming into, which is separation season. And I use some holidays, not typically Fourth of July, not typically Memorial Day, because Memorial Day is Taylor's birthday. July 4th is one of my favorite holidays. I'm always outside. But like Labor Day to me is uh I mean the name Labor Day. I am I am day of work. <laughs> yeah, it's a day of work, not just getting drunk and and recovering from the night before. So um you know, Taylor was was kind enough to to take the kids and spend some time with them on Monday and I got four or five uninterrupted hours of of email work and I used that time to to get uh, focused, but also get caught back up. And I think that's a, a good 
uh, precursor into the three months that we're coming into. You know, you could be in a position where uh, you're ahead of your goals. You know, I know a lot of people, especially bankers, who are very much ahead of their goals this year. Um, my my question to to folks is, if you are ahead of your goals, did you set your goals high enough? What are you going to do to level up to make sure that you're focused on um, the skills, developing the skills that you need to attract uh, more into your life or, or better into your life. It might not be more, it could be less, right? I mean, you might need to, you might need to attract less into your life or, or do less, you know? Um, but the separation season is what's coming upon us. And, um, you know, some folks get to November and they're like, all right, we got Thanksgiving. I got some other things. It's getting cold outside. I'm going to put 15 pounds on. I'm going to take the rest of the year off. And if I could say the last seven and a half years for me, the most productive years or sorry, months in, in the year are, are absolutely those last three. And I start planning and, and thinking about, you know, the, the, the first quarter of the next year and reflecting. I think that's really important, too, because when the holidays come, you're going to get really busy and, and there's a lot of family things going on. And it can be difficult to find that time to be reflective if you're not intentional about it. And so Taylor and I, before kids, we used to take a trip every December to go get kind of focused. And if you, even if you can't take a trip, you're going to have some days off, you know, of work potentially. Use some of those days, allocate some of those to really get in and reflect uh, on the wins, losses, learnings of the year. And all I got to go do is listen to 50 episodes of the compression podcast. I mean, it's all there. It is documented. Right. And, um, so it makes, makes it easy for me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have time to go listen to, you know, 60 hours worth of content, but, uh, there's going to be a few that I'm gonna go back and pop in and, and listen to, because if you track this thing, you'll see a huge spike, you, you know, there's, uh, a lot of closings there back in, 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 I think it was May or June, or maybe it was April. I can't remember, but went from like 28 to 65 really quick there, you know, and, yeah. and I'm going to go yeah. back and, and, and reflect on how I was feeling. Um, one thing I did do and I love to do is I got 6,000 photos and videos on my phone. Uh, go back through the year of your photos. Just, you know, I take photos and save PDFs on my phone all the time. It's fun to just go back and relive uh, the last 12 months on your phone. Uh, it's really cool to see where your headspace was. Uh, you know, I just get lost in all the kid, the pictures of my wife and my kids and, and all of that. And I'm like, man, and I look at pictures of myself and, you know, I deemed this year as the year of health. If you go back and look at me in December of last year, oh, man. Oh, oh actually, even even the first quarter. Um, yeah. You know, I, my face yeah. was much fuller. I had, I looked much more tired, you know, I might look a little tired right now because it is, you know, still 530 here <laughs> in the morning, but I've been up <laughs> for an hour and a half already, but um, still kind of getting the sleep out of my eyes. But, you know, I was just looking at pictures and I was like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, I do care what the scale says, you know, but at the end, end of the right. day, it's how do you look? You know, you can really, if you look at pictures of yourself, you can really see how you look. Uh, in certain times. And then I asked my wife, you know, uh, how do I look here? And I look back when I went to Miami and uh, man, I was, I was not in a healthy position uh, at that time. And so I'm very happy uh, on that. So I think that's a cool exercise to go through as well is go back and look at your photos, videos, and, and what you're focused on uh, for the year. But today we got a special uh, episode 
you know, I've seen some people kind of putting some AMAs out there, ask me any things, you know, and, uh, you know, I got to thinking, you know, last week we talked about, you want to change the quality of your life. You got to change the quality of the questions that you're asking yourself. And so uh, I've got some questions and I know Jerome's got some questions for me that we're going to kind of pepper back and forth uh, to each other. So uh, Jerome, you ready for this, man? It should be a lot of fun. Buckle up, buckaroos. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to start with an easier one. Okay. A little more tangible for for people. Here we go. And, and it is this, what is the one book that you have read, listened to read this year that has the biggest impact uh, on your life? It doesn't have to be professionally. It can be personally, but what is that one book Jerome, from this year? I'm looking around to make sure. Uh, yeah, there it is. Winning, winning. Now, what did <laughs> what? Okay, so winning by Tim Grover, and what did that yeah. book get out of you? Out of me. It's funny. Most people don't even understand what that question means. Maybe we should break that. Should we break that question down a little bit? <laughs> yeah. And most people don't even know what that question means, man. Um, you know, it, it was really interesting, right? You you read books and you're like, what am I gonna get out of this book? What is this book gonna tell me that I don't know? But sometimes it's just them confirming what you do know. Right. Um, you know, for me. And I think for you, because we've been on this journey together, the the question about what the difference is between a cleaner and a compressor was something that we'd kind of been hitting back and forth, not really talking about it on recordings, but just up leveling this beautiful framework that Tim laid out in um, that first book that went Relentless. really viral. Yep. Relentless. And so the thought that you can have a a life where you show up the same way in all the places and be embraced and loved was something that i think most people who are apex performers don't embrace they feel like they've gotta just beat the thing to a pulp there it's always hammer and nail there's no screwdriver there's no drill it's it's brute force domination it's scorched earth my way or the highway and we saw tim take a pivot and come to this concept that there's more to life than just getting the outcome yep and that for me was confirmation because i felt like i lived that out and found out that that other approach was not actually true. And so by that coming out of me and in some ways me sharing that with you, you've made real pivots over the last nine months when it comes to, all right, instead of just going what's next to, we should pause for a moment and really reflect on what it took to get here, what this actually means in the framework of the bigger discussion, and then embracing and congratulating and slapping some people on the back so that they really understand that this is meaningful instead of just moving to the next thing and pretending like it wasn't something worth. Um, and I guess the right word is remarkable. This yeah. wasn't remarkable. So nobody made a remark. We, we just acknowledge it with the head, not a move on. 
you know, that's a great book. We both read it this year. And, um, you know, the, the winning book was interesting to me. It, it was more of a confirmation, right? It was things that I, I, I sort of already knew. But, you know, I think what Tim did really well was, uh, and he did this in Relentless too. He, he, he named uh, something for a lot of people. Uh, which was important. And then he made it okay and said, Hey, there are some other people out there like that. And, um, you know, I think when you are changing your peer group and you are changing your circle of influence, it can be difficult to be the only person that is thinking like that. And for me, it was, okay, I need to be putting myself around people that are obsessed, obsessed with what we are doing, obsessed about being better. Now, I will tell you this, I'm still looking to level that game up because uh, I am relentless. I am obsessed. I, you know, what I want to talk about is um, to everybody that I speak to is how did you get to where you are? What has that journey looked like? Because what I'm looking for is threads. I'm looking for threads on how to compress that. You know, I'm 31 years old. That's young in a lot of people's eyes, right? Uh, I, I could care less about age. There's, I think they, I saw a stat the other day. There's 1,700 new millionaires made every day in the United States of America. That's incredible. And a lot of those folks are 20 to 25 years old. And, and that's a real stat. Um, there is, there's a lot of things happening that allow people to uh, level up. Now, if I met those people, they, they, a lot of them, I think, would be, uh, you know, successful in monetary terms. But um, I, what I'm about is sustainability. So that person who's got that TikTok influence, I want to check in with you 10 years from now. I want to check in with you from 15 years from now when TikTok's no longer around and there's five other platforms, right? Did you continue to do that? Did you continue to uh, you know, create success like Jesse Itzler, right? It, from the jets to the coconut waters to the everything that he has done, right? Everything he is he has been involved with. Um, you know, he has been not probably everything, but a lot of what he has owned has been successful, right? I mean, his marriage with Sarah Blakely, his focus on his kids, living with David Goggins, living with the monks. I just bought that book. Uh, because he's all about sprinkling sunshine into his life. You know, these are guys that are obsessed. Ed Milet, Tim, uh, Tom Bilyeu, uh, Jesse Itzler. Um, I'm, 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 all, I'm all about trying to figure out how to do this for the long haul, right? And what I want to make sure I get across too from this book is you hear these stories about men and women who have been successful, lost it all, and then been successful again, right? Well, that story is a thread that, you know, is common. I don't want to lose anything. <laughs> I'm young enough in my career where I can learn from these other people and say, okay, that's what I'm going to do is, is avoid those big pitfalls. And how do I do that? And then I can compress even more into shorter period of time if I don't have a period of three, four, five years where I lose everything, right? Uh, and, and so one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you too, um, and I'll, if you want me to answer the book uh, question as well, I'll just put a plug in for two books. Uh, one is What It Takes by Stephen Schwartzman. Um, it's helping me think bigger and set bigger goals. And the second one is more 
specific niche focus, which is mastering the market cycles by Howard Marks. And I, I don't recommend that book for everybody, especially you're not in the it's financial dense. services, but it's, <laughs> it's very dense. And if you haven't read things before that, that you won't get that book. Um, but for somebody like myself, it was really important because I am going on an MBA, a real world MBA program of economics and financial markets. And that's really important for me uh, to be able to have those conversations. So those are my two books. But uh, we talked about the the fear of of, of losing everything, uh, Jerome. Which would be my biggest fear right now is is taking a bunch of steps backwards, right? Something happening that I'm not prepared for. So that's my biggest fear. Uh, I wanted to ask you what your biggest fear is right now. You know, it's funny. Uh, Jeff Spencer talks about this at length. He talks about the Zoom of gloom and the Zoom of doom. The the zone of gloom in the zone of doom and you're entering into the zone of gloom right now just from an age standpoint and he's actually laid out and documented based on years of age where people usually experience those epic setbacks mm -hmm. and he his whole model is around helping folks avoid that because it's very much like the stock market, right? You can go up and I think if you have a hundred percent gain and like you double what you have, but if you have a 50% loss, you cut what you have in half. And so you've got to go up twice as much in order to get back to zero. Yep. Um, so the fear that you have is very real. Um, you know, my fear is on the other end of the spectrum. I've, begun to really realize that there's another level, right? So you got a stick chef and you're in fourth gear and you move over to fifth and you stay there because it feels like you're, you're moving pretty well, but there's a whole nother gear. There's mm. a sixth gear that's out there for a lot of people and they're just leaving it on the table, man. And that for me has just become so clear that there, there's another level and for everybody, but specifically for me, and I can play down and be okay with that, or I can leave it all out there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that was, I was thinking yesterday about, you know, my last game of high school when I tore my ACL and how the phone stopped ringing and how people tell me, well, you can't play D one anymore. And, You'll be lucky if you ever get on the field again, da, 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 da. And the one thing for the people who actually ended up coming back after my surgery, they said was, it doesn't matter what happens before we cut the film off, you're always in the frame. It doesn't matter where the person is. And they were speaking to me pursuing the person relentlessly. It didn't matter if they scored a touchdown, it didn't matter if somebody else tackled them. I was always there. And so the ability to hustle to play full out was my competitive advantage because everybody else wasn't willing to play at that clip. Right. And so, you know, you go out, you have a setback. It's easy to kind of pace it through. And, you know, this time of year is my favorite time of year, just from playing and coaching. But what I realized was, you know, a lot of people pace, right? You're, you're running your jingle jangles, you're running your wind sprints and you don't know how long that whistle is going to be blown right? you don't know how long we're going to do this thing. 
and we don't know how far he's going to make us go. Yeah. So we hold just a little bit back, just just a little bit back. So we always have some just in case he says do it again. And what I when I was the guy controlling the whistle, I blew the whistle for as long as I thought it took to get everything I could out of them. And so if they were running full blast, then we did less. If they were pacing it, we did more. Yep. And so I, I came across a guy named Myron Golden a few weeks ago, and he talks about the ability to make a whole lot of money in a short amount of time is a whole lot better than making a little bit of money over a long amount of time. And it's the intensity that I really believe makes the biggest growth when we're trying to get to a new level. Yeah. Um, I think the other place I would go with this is just think about a rocket ship. You got to get to escape velocity. You'll never leave the Earth's orbit if you're just kind of putting along. But when you're trying to make a meaningful change in your environment, you've got to go at a pace that's so intense that the natural laws can't hold you back. Man. Yep. I, I, two things that pulled out that I think you you just you just explained it very beautifully. Uh, the the first being when you have an opportunity, do not pace yourself because you don't know when the next opportunity will come. So every time I have a meeting, uh, a webinar, uh, a speaking engagement, I'm going full throttle. I'm throwing everything I've got in it, hundred percent. 110% because I know other people aren't showing up that way. And I know that that next opportunity may not come, especially if I don't give everything I've got. And so that's the first one. The second piece being, um, you know, what you said about the intensity part, you know, when I got cut from the NFL, I knew I had six to eight months to change my life, to be um, focused on an identity shift. And in that, I read, you know, 150 books. I listened to every podcast I could. I lost 120 pounds. Um, and those things, that's what I was focused on, was getting A's in school, being great at my job that I had at the time, changing my mental perspective and losing weight. And everything else was just noise. And, and there's not that many times in your life that you you get this kind of period of time that, um, you you can do that and you should do that, right? Especially if you get married, you have kids, you get into the golden handcuffs situation. It's very difficult to make that change. And I will tell you, a lot in a little time is a lot better than a lot over a long period of time. It will change everything and everything else starts to be uh, attracted to you. That's how the law of attraction actually works is with you taking massive strategic action in a short period of time because then you start to change and the world starts to change as well because what you're putting out there is different and you're getting back new energy new relationships new skills new opportunities and um so that's you know that's really focused intentionality of of action but also intensity in short periods of that i still do that like right now I don't have necessarily my next project to work on. So I, I know I'm cycling out of that. It's time to plan. It's time to be strategic. It's time to, to pivot. It's time to focus on what the next move is. When I have three deals that are under contract that need funding, you better believe all of that stuff goes out the window and I focus 100% on that. And I think it's a skill. 
it's a uh, it's something that um, it takes time to develop. Um, but if you can develop that cycling in and cycling out, holy cow, you know, like I always say from Tony Robbins, where your focus goes, energy flows. And if your energy is focused and, and, and intentional about something and you can put roadblocks or not roadblocks, but uh, um, boundaries. boundaries on everything else, holy cow, it can be super successful. So uh, Jerome, anytime you have a question you want to ask me, uh, pop in here, man. Um, but if okay. not, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going as an entrepreneur, as somebody trying to uh, make change, be better uh, in today's you know, economic climate in, in today's world, what are the one to three skills that somebody should master first, right? Like what are those one to three skills that said, okay, no matter where I go in my life, this, this skill, if I develop this will, will propel me forward. This question comes from a conversation that I had yesterday with a guy that just quit his job. And he's like, I'm going into real estate full time. And he said, what should I focus on? And I'm like, uh, mind you, this guy had a lot of real estate background, has set up very well. So it was it was good that he, he didn't just like, you know, burn the boats, you know, willy nilly. He had been a long conversation or a long question that he was trying to answer. But I gave him some feedback on that. And it got me thinking, you know, in today's world, if somebody's listening to this podcast, what is that skill or skills that they should develop and focus on that? Even if they don't know where they're headed, it will still propel them forward, man. Yeah, I these two by far are the most important things that you can do. And it's why they cost the most to learn. The first one is not going to be what most people think, but conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Slash negotiation, because to me, they're the same thing, is the most important skill that's out there. Because when you're on your own, you only get what you negotiate. You don't that's get right. what you ask for. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And a lot of that negotiation is just resolving whatever conflicts exist to get the person from maybe to yes. Um, you know, there, and I'll add on that the next piece is sales. Yep. If you can't sell, you're dead in the water, baby. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about revenue, right? And you're one of the best guys that I know on revenue generation, right? I, I've seen you build other people's businesses because they supported yours. That's right. And this is a very unique talent. And most people are scared of it because they don't want to be this sleazy salesperson. Um, but I'll go back to Myron Golden, man, because he, he's been really impactful for me. He said, if you, if you have any money in your pocket, it's because somebody sold something at a profit. And so inherently yep. sales are good. Yes. And if you have any other opinion about being able to sell something, then there's probably something wrong with the value proposition. Yep. And so if you're asking somebody to, pay you for something that you're doing and you're uncomfortable asking for the price that you're asking for it's probably because you don't see it as valuable as the thing that or the problem that you're solving for the person you know a step further logan i can give you a dollar and you can give me a dollar back and you'd probably ask why am i doing that right we're just cycling dollars but if you give me a dollar and i give you ten dollars back you probably do that all day and you keep doing that until I ran out of the $10 because 
you would see that you're getting a 10x return on the investment that you're making. Most people don't think about it like that. Mm -hmm. And most people feel like they have an abundance of time and they'd rather use that time to save a little bit of money instead of spend the money to get a whole lot of time back to redeploy that against something that is going to give them an infinite return, even if it's just enjoyment. Yeah. Right. Your your investment in the golf coach is meaningful on a number of different levels. One, you you join the country club, mm -hmm. you're going to be a better golfer, which means you're getting better games because people want to hang out with you because you have a talent. Yep. Two, you could watch YouTube videos and figure out how to swing the club and try to get better over the course of five years, or you could condense that down to somebody who could teach you how to do it really quickly. Yep. And that investment is really just how fast do you want to be a better golfer? Yeah. Right. But some people just totally miss that. So, you know, the two skills that I think are most important if you're going to be out here fending for yourself, in, I call it in the wild, is conflict resolution and sales. And I'll give some people some resources on those two books that I've read that I've, I've found a lot of value in is uh, Never Split the Difference from Christopher Voss uh, on the negotiation side. It's really a communications book and conflict resolution book uh, and a listening book. Um, so that book for negotiation uh, and then sales, uh, you know, I've got a thousand sales books that I've read, but I would say um, know exactly how to sell. Um, and, and I got that book over here on my desk somewhere, but I can't remember who was the the author of that. He also has know exactly what to say and some other books, but breaks it down into a very small book. Um, you know, Anthony Ianarino, Jeb Blunt, all guys that I have followed in the past, but know exactly how to sell. Uh, never split the difference. Two great resources. Jerome, what question do you have for me before we get into the most important one that we're going to spend, I think, a decent amount of time on here today? This one is just a point of reflection, right? We're getting to the end of the third quarter, right? And we we did something similar back at towards the middle of the year. But as you think back across the last nine months, which adjustment has given you the most, the largest incremental increase in your enjoyment of life? Yeah. That's a great question. And and I think the, the letting it's, it's letting go, it's letting go and uh, realizing that 90% of, of what I am, uh, you know, saying that I need to do is actually out of my circle of control. It's in the circle of concern that 10% that's in my control. That's what I can be focused on and, and take care of. And so uh, giving myself the, the grace to say, Hey, You've done everything you can on that front. You have to trust your team. You have to trust other people. You have to have faith in God, all of these different things that that's outside of your concern or outside of your control. It's in the circle of concern and giving myself the ability to not feel anxiety, not feel mental stress, not feel all of those things that I was holding myself hostage for to not feel joy in the moment. That is the number one thing. That has allowed me to, um, you know, focus my energy in better places, have better health, have better relationships, uh, all of those things. So trading expectations for appreciations is a big part of that. 
Um, not only this has helped me personally, it's definitely helped me professionally because um, I can't control everything. And and I, I, early on this year, if you guys go back and listen to, I was trying to, I was working not to, but now I'm to the point where like, hey, I've done everything that I can, and I got to trust and have faith that uh, the people that I put around myself are going to take care of what they can and they should. And that's been what's given me the mental headspace to let go and let God. <laughs> and that's been huge for me this year, man. Uh, still an ongoing process, obviously, but I've made massive strides in that. Uh, that's allowed me to enjoy uh, the moment, to celebrate wins, to not have expectations on other people that are uh, distorting my perspective of them, uh, to not judge people. All of those things are, you know, the, you know, items that we've talked about, but I'd say that's, that's the number one thing that, that has been, uh, most impactful for me this year. And had you not done that, I don't think you would be anywhere close to where you are right now because you can't leverage. That's right. If you don't have that. You can't. Yeah, you absolutely can't. So great question. Um, so I'll set the stage here. I've got an event coming up that uh, <clears throat> I'm attending, part of a group that I'm a part of, and it's in person. And the uh, founder of that group reached out to me and said, hey, I would like for you uh, at this conference to do a 30-minute uh, presentation on how to become iconic in the city uh, that you live in. And you know, at first I was, I got really, I was with Taylor. I got really nervous. I was like, whoa, whoa, I, I, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and then quickly, you know, thankfully I have put uh, beliefs in my mind that caught me really quick and said, whoa, who, who's that? Get out of here, man. That's an opportunity. You're going to seize this moment, right? Carpe diem, seize the day. And uh, so I, I, for two seconds, I was like, no, no, I can't do that. And then right after that was like, how do I do it? Right. And so uh, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm very excited about it, but I, I wanted to, to ask you, uh, and I've done some research on, you know, what an icon is and, and thought a lot about this and have some thoughts. I haven't put the slides together or anything like that yet, but I wanted to put this question to you is, you know, what, what does that mean? You know, what is becoming iconic? mean? And if you have uh, real-time feedback from somebody uh, that has watched me across this journey the last, well, I mean, documented year, but it's been longer than that for us, um, sure. and how we have become iconic or how to become iconic in the city that you live in. If you want me to get started with some thoughts, I can, or I can just pose that question to you and we can kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Well, here's the thing, man, right? When you were solely focused on brokerage and I say solely focused because you don't actually ever do one thing. I'm kind of tongue in cheek. But when you decided that my message was that I helped 1031 exchange buyers buy a property in Kansas City and that if you want to buy in Kansas City, I'm your guy, you immediately cut through all the noise yep. and had something that nobody else was offering from a broker standpoint in that market, yep. at least not that I saw, right? Not only that, but you took and went to the medium where the majority of people who are looking to do that type of transaction were hanging out, mm -hmm. which is LinkedIn. 
Now, sure, there's phone calls and relationships and the old guard is still doing it the way they always did it because yep. maybe they're not embracing this social media thing. But you, for the generation that we're in and for the people who've adopted social media, made it very clear that if you're buying a deal in Kansas City and you haven't talked to Logan, that it's a problem, right? You you may be doing yourself a disservice. Sure. And so making yourself synonymous with the market in effect, makes you iconic, right? Without question. Yep. Now, the journey to not only being somebody who helps people buy in Kansas City, to an owner in Kansas City, to an owner in the Midwest, is a journey that you're on now, but you had to punch through with the one thing. And so with that said, I believe, and this isn't, when I say you, it becomes an extension, right? Because yep. there's the brokerage company, there's FTW, there's all these parts and pieces that you touch. Um, and so you've, you've done a lot of things, right? To make sure that people know your name. One, omnipresent on social media. Can't open social media without seeing something from Logan somewhere. Now, that takes a lot of strategy. That takes more than just one person. That takes some technology. takes all of that to happen. Yep. I think the next piece of that is... You know, it's not just social media because that goes but so far. And so being in the business journals, being on very high level download podcasts, yep. um, doing the blogs, yeah. right? And the investment in the website to make sure that if somebody searches for Kansas City real estate, you're on the first page. Mm -hmm. These are all things that you did without questioning whether or not it was the right thing to do and not i'm going to do this on my own but i'm going to seek out experts who know what they're doing who can help me get to that next level even if my brand looks better than what my experience actually is sure. right now and then i'm going to work like hell to make sure that when people trust me i deliver on the perform the promise that the brand made before they even got to the place where they did business with us yeah and so i'll pause there because i sure. feel like i put a lot out there but that that's where i would start because yeah. i think those are the things that worked really well yeah what i heard was omnipresence i was taking action uh reputation right i mean you have to be able to be reputable and um you have to live up to what you say you're going to do um, one thing that I did look up was what, what does icon mean? And you know, what, who are some iconic people and an icon is a representative symbol. And it, it also said worthy of veneration, uh, which was really interesting to me to, to hear that's the actual definition of an icon was worthy of veneration. And I think about iconic people and some of them are worthy of veneration, some of them aren't, right? But I think what I was able to, what I'm able to do and what we're able to do as a, as a company is, is uh, put a promise out there, stick to it, and have a good reputation. I also think it, it is something to do with the size and the scale of the actions or the problems that you're solving. And so I think that's really important. Um, you know, what, what I see a lot of times happen is people want to be jack of all trades and a master of none. And you know, if you wanted to list your property, I was pulling somebody else in, you know, that's not my business. I I'm going to be upfront with you. I'm going to go find you the best listing agent for your specific property, but it's not me because I know that I, uh, I, I could do that job, but I don't want to do that job. You know, I, I'm not just a, 
uh, question answer and, and a paper pusher. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to understand what somebody's trying to accomplish and then go figure out what that looks like. Uh, visibility, we've talked a little bit about. I think you have to be confident. You have to be daring. You have to have some charisma. You have to be approachable. You have to treat people the same. That's some feedback that I've gotten recently. Uh, it doesn't matter if I'm, I'm meeting with a $500 million family office or a, a, an investor who's never invested into real estate. My approach and uh, the way that I come through from an authentic standpoint, I think is very, uh, very important. And, and so you have, I think when I think about how I've grown a reputation is I've been willing to help others with no ask because I was confident uh, in the ability to always find the next project. And so I never came off as this is what you should do. You should do it with me. And this is your only option. I've always said, hey, from my experience, see these three or four things that you could focus on. Here's the one that I think probably will come to a head, but I don't want to rule out those other things yet either. And when you talk to people about like that from a consultative standpoint, um, you don't pigeonhole yourself and you also don't try to, uh, to sell people on things. And so I think there's a lot of, of pieces here that I'm going to continue to uh, try to, I think, dive into and give people some actionable steps. But uh, you, if, you know, we hear the no like and trust thing all the time. It's great. If you're a likable and trustable person, I think that's important in business anyways. But if you, you're not known, you, you don't get the opportunity. And so you got to be willing to put yourself out there. I mean, I'll give you this, man. Like we are, we are testing so many different things out. I'm, I'm getting into uh, putting an editorial column on a monthly basis into two trade magazines that go to two of the country clubs that I would like to build relationships with people, right? So FTW is going to be in there talking about affordable housing, how we're approaching this problem and how people can be involved. And it's getting right to that target market. The same thing with the 1031 buyers. I was really, really important to, it was really important to say, look, man, I'm focused on this, not everything, but this. So dialing that in really quickly. So people know what you do very, very quickly. And, and it, it piques interest because then they'll reach out to you and then you can start building those relationships. But you got to be willing to put the time in, I think, too, with people. You know, I mean, if you're just getting started or you're trying to name, build, a, build a, a name for yourself, um, the big fish aren't just going to fall into your boat, right? You know, you're not going to get the big tuna right off the bat. You got to start, you got to start with the, the crappie. You know, you got to get those people uh, mixed in and you have to learn through those experiences. I documented this process was like, okay, what are the five questions that people ask me? All right. What are my responses? What are the stories I am telling, um, around those five questions? Because I also, when somebody asks me a question, I'm like, look, I don't have a definitive answer for you. <laughs> and in our business, I have to pull in a lot of experts and I'm not you know, what I, you'll hear me talk about a lot is I'm not a tax or an attorney. So this is not legal advice, just my personal experience. I almost have to frame everything with that. But, you know, I think people want to hear um, stories around certain situations. And the more stories you can build into your, into your talk track is, is the better uh, results I think you're going to get. So I don't know how I'm going to start this presentation out. Um, I think I'll have talking points. I think I'll, I'll have a timeline maybe I think is the way that it'll go, you know, kind of a timeline of, of here's my thought process. And, and I think that uh, 
uh, the, the 10 day challenge from Yona Weiss was very instrumental in that, you know, obviously got to give a shout out to Yona on, on the LinkedIn piece, but it just started there. Right. I mean, that was just the start of it. Um, so I, I, I feel a little unworthy to be talking about how to become an icon. I'm looking at it more of a, the sense that, um, I'm becoming, we're becoming iconic, not definitely not there, but here are the steps we've taken so far. Is that, is that a good approach you think? You know, the humble piece is really more of you at your core, but I mean, let's think about it. Who's got a more well-recognized brand than you right now as, sure. as a point of fact? What, and how do you want to measure that? Is it followers on a social media platform? Is it podcast appearances? Is it SEO yeah. for the market that you invest in? Is it the asset class like what is it is it people trying to get on your calendar is yep. it active investors like what where do you want to do it based on for how long you've actually been in the space and i mean there's a lot of people trying to figure it out yeah right there's a lot of people trying to figure it out and there's a proven track record of success and i don't know anybody else who's openly saying hey my goal is to double or triple what I've done over the past couple of years. That's right. Big I, statements. I just don't know anybody trying to go to that level. And so some of it is the allure of the headline, but then there's actually meat in the article, right? Uh, it got the news update that I get and there's a bunch of headlines. COVID's always one of them. Sure. But you know, there's the clickbait, but is there some actually sizzle? And some real meat behind that clickbait. And um, I think you're the real deal, brother. That's why I'm here. Well, I appreciate that. More to come on the iconic piece. Didn't get through all of the questions that I will ask, but every once in a while we're gonna we're gonna pepper in these uh these fun episodes like this because I think it's important. These are things that I'm going through on a regular basis and 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 we're working towards in my business. So as the weeks come, this uh I think presentation is going to come more full cycle and i'll start to have more uh, ideas around exactly what i'm going to talk about and, and we'll flesh those out together um jerome we got a few minutes left man is there any other questions that you wanted to ask ask me or uh any last statements before we we wrap up today man what are you going to talk about at the mid-atlantic multifamily investing <laughs> well i think that you have uh <laughs> I think you have have uh, you know given me a, at least a framework um, to to work towards, but um, I can talk about a lot of things. What what was it? Is the market be is the market a little frothy right now? I believe that's what my speaking is is on. Correct. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I'm curious. I, I want to know what's going on. <laughs> well, I've got some. Uh, I've got some good data points and some good things that I'm aggregating for that speaking uh, engagement. So one thing I wanted to ask you about that, are we doing slides? Are we doing it more conversational like this? How do you want to approach that? I want you to give them slides with hard data on why they need to be careful okay, and why buying and you don't know what you're doing right now is an awful idea. Because well, there's a whole lot of that. people who are running into the hills, right? They're running into the hills trying to find gold, and they're not going to find it. 
I'm going to leave us with a, a quote from Howard Marks. Uh, I don't think he said this, but I think somebody that he mentioned uh, did, or maybe he did say this, but I'm not really sure. But it's this, what the wise man does in the beginning, the fool does in the end. And that hit to the core this week when I read that. What the wise man does in the beginning, the fool does in the end. In this time, in, in where we are right now, it's extremely important to be as prudent as possible. So I have a feeling I'll have a lot of things to talk about on that presentation and on that talk. I'm very excited about that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed kind of getting into our brains a little bit this week on the Ask Me Anything. Uh, I think I'm going to call it How to Be Iconic. I think that's a good uh, episode title here. But just remember, Warren Buffett said, first there's the innovator, then there's the imitator, and then there's the idiot. And I don't want anybody listening this uh, on this podcast to be the idiot. So we got to know where we are and we got to know where we can go and what we should be focused on. That's what we're focused on here every day. So thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compression Podcast. Coming back to you live every single week. Uh, we got another, I got some ideas for, for the, the next episode that I think you guys will really enjoy. But we obviously appreciate everybody that's tuning in. If there's a question that you have, similar to what Jerome and I were peppering back and forth today, you guys know what to do. Reach out. I really appreciate all of it. Jerome, thanks again, brother. Out. I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Compression. My mission for this show is to do my part in helping you crush your limiting beliefs, rise above mediocrity, and live as the best version of yourself. If you feel inclined, please share this show with someone who could benefit, someone who needs to hear this message. As always, please leave us a review wherever you're listening and connect and engage with me on LinkedIn and head on over to compressionpodcast.com where you can subscribe. And when you do, you're going to get access to my live goal tracker, resources to download that will help you along your own compression journey, and you're going to be able to stay up with the episodes. Until next time, we'll talk soon.